Hi, I'm Maddie Hockaday, also known as the Anne of this relationship. And I'm Holly, the Leslie. We love Parks and Rec. We love behind the scenes. And we love each other. This is literally the best Parks and Recreation rewatch show. We're your park pals. There's a park and some pals and there's also therapy too. So we've got season one, episode three, The Reporter. This aired on uh, April 23rd. 2009. I was going to say 2009. Yes, written by Dan Gore and directed by Jeffrey Blitz, who directed The Office as well, a couple of episodes, including The Negotiation, which is where uh, Jan goes to negotiate her, her, oh my God, her. (laughs) (laughs) I meant to say her, but I had an accent. (sighs) She goes to negotiate uh, uh, her settlement for $4 million or $14 million or whatever the fuck for her boobs. They hang yes. off my lady's chest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which to be delicate. Mike Schur wrote. <laughs> he wrote that line? Well, Mike Schur wrote that uh, episode. Oh, damn. Okay, I didn't know that. Lots of things going on. And on the commentary this week, we have Nick Offerman, who plays Ron, Paul Schneider, who plays Mark, Mike Schur, co-creator, Morgan Sackett, who is a producer. Side note, Morgan is a male, or man, okay. should I say. Mm-hmm. And Dan Gore is a writer. Now, I know I didn't need to say that Morgan was a man, but... <laughs> But I felt like to paint the picture of who is speaking, Morgan Sackett, the producer, is a man. So Okay. That that helps. Also, one last thing. The story editor was Rachel Axler, who wrote the last episode. Really? Okay. Cool. Cool overlap. Um, I have some more information about Dan Gore, too. Ooh, let's hear it. He wrote many, many more episodes of, of Parks and Rec that we have oh. yet to see, that, but will be coming up in seasons two, three, four, and five. He wrote The Hunting Trip. Oh, my Leslie's God. Leslie's House. Uh, Freddy Sp- Spaghetti, uh, Harvest Fest, and uh, Lil Sebastian, two big-ass episodes. Whoa, um, big star, big star. Yeah. Legend, Seriously, icon. seriously, though. Uh, I'm Leslie Nope, and How, be- How a Bill Becomes a Law. Oh, also. cool. Yes. Did you get anything on the director? I didn't. Let's hear it. Yes, uh, the director is Jeffrey Blitz, who um, did do a documentary called Spellbound. Have you seen that? Mm-mm. I, I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. But now ma- it makes me want to go back and, and watch it. Um, but the big notoriety is that he directed 11 episodes of The Office. So yeah. again, yeah, we yeah, have yeah. a connection. Mm-hmm. That's a that's my, my dealio. That's awesome. Yes. Okay, so I have a commentary break, um, mm-hmm. which also, Maddie, okay, I have a surprise for you. Oh, my gosh. I oh, my gosh. I just got so excited. <laughs> Oh my god. Um, Okay, so I had a lot of time, and uh, I'm just not going to even explain to you what is happening right here, but okay, listen to surprise number one. Commentary break. Ah, I love it so much. Oh, that's so good. Side note, I do have to say, I was not playing piano. I found loops on garage Yeah, I was going to say, you've been practicing a lot um, because that, like, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. Yeah, so, you no, I found all these loops on GarageBand, and I'm, like, super stoked about it. Okay. So, that's surprise Kay. number one. Here we go with surprise number two. Hold, please. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, ooh, oh, that ooh, chord. Oh. <laughs> It's it's too jazzy for me to have made it on my own. Are you kidding me? Okay. Here we go. Okay, ready? Commentary break. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
the breakdown is my favorite part at the end. Yay, yay. It's so good. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. And it really reminded me. Okay, so I had inspiration for this, which um, I will tell you after I play the third one. But those are the two, like, real ones. And then this one, I was just kind of, like, fucking around because I found all these beats and loops. And I was just like, oh, my God, I need to make this one. Okay, so here is surprise number three. It's a commentary what? A commentary break. A commentary who? A commentary break. What? Yeah. That's so good. I'm getting some Hamilton vibes. Okay. So, yes. Okay. So, Hamilton was... I didn't know that I, like, had Hamilton in my head as I was doing it. As I'm listening to it now, I'm like, obviously, that was Hamilton-inspired. But my main inspiration at the forefront of my brain was the Michael Scarn. Yes. Uh, thing after threat level midnight <laughs> the credits yes. is what i'm trying to say yes threat level midnight so a threat level threat who level what? midnight midnight threat level who michael scarn, michael scarn. <laughs> <laughs> so that was and truthfully andy was the inspiration for the second one as well because he does all of those right. you know the runs <laughs> <laughs> so those are my surprises yay too. i haven't decided if i want to um put the commentary break in the beginning of every single commentary break that I have, but we'll yes, see. I think I think so because it would be like dramatic, I feel, but and excessive, yeah. but like at the <laughs> but if you support it, then you know maybe we'll listen and you can see yeah. how it sounds. Yeah, but I also think there's another way where you could do it where um, we could just do the the piano into it and not even do the co- do the commentary break part. For the mm-hmm. first time, but then have any other time you have a commentary, just go dun 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 dun, and then have oh, the commentary. Wow. See what I'm saying? Great idea. It could be the commentary oh theme song. Oh my gosh, song. my mom is calling. Should we say hi to yes, her let's really say fast? Hi. Okay. Hi, mommy. Oh, did I am I Hi, Mama Constant. <laughs> yes, we're um, mommy. I mean, Maddie is saying hi. No, no one can see you. She's covering her <laughs> mouth. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Maddie um can't hear you at this moment, but she says hi. Okay, tell her hi. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well I'll call you right back. I love you very much. That's okay. I just want to say night night. <laughs> okay, honey, you're so precious. I'll call you in a brief moment, okay? Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. <laughs> we are putting that. Yes, in we mouth. are. She's my favorite. I love her so much. <laughs> She's so precious. Side note, PSA, if you didn't know, Andy is the one singing the Michael Scarn song at the end. Yes. Um, also, side note on the yes. Hamilton, before we get back to the episode, I can <gasps> now rap the entirety what? of Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr, the first two songs, with no music. Like, I need, I, like, I do it with the instrumental on my way to school, but it really pumps me up for the day when I start my day with, how does a bastard orphan son of a whore it really you know it sets me in the mood like yes. i got this you know i can do that now and i'm pretty proud and i really don't think rapping's in my future because i think i sound real bad but it's real fun so <laughs> it's such a big dick energy i feel <laughs> <laughs> definitely uh, makes you feel fierce and bold and so good okay yes, you, now you need to learn wonderful. how to rap satisfied <laughs> and then we'll be in business leslie odom jr may be the most talented person i've ever seen He's perform a in my life human he really is i don't know how he does everything he's putting out a christmas album too 
I know. What? Tell me about it. Like, we got to get on that train. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. I want to. OK, sorry, listener. I, there, we'll edit out some of this <laughs> shit. But we have a lot to talk about. OK, now I will say that um, the reason that I brought up this commentary was because I have a commentary break right here at the beginning. Commentary break. Yeah, yeah. Because this was the second episode that they shot, but it was the third to air. So it was out of order a little bit. So just imagine um, that they write the report first. They do this report. Uh, Shana Malway Tweep comes and then they go canvassing. But that is not how it happened. Uh, funny story, Dan Gore, who was the writer of this, was so upset that they switched the order. He was making a huge deal about it. And so <laughs> Morgan Sackett, the producer, kind of as a joke, uh, emailed him when he was out of town, when Dan Gore, the writer, was out of town and said, hey, there's like this sports thing on NBC. We might have to cut this whole episode and not air it until next year. Oh, my gosh. Um, have a good trip. Like that's how he <laughs> ended the email. And because he was making such a huge deal about not wanting it to be out of order, uh, and it was just to piss him off. That's hilarious. Although I feel like, especially after people hear the summary, I feel like it'll be, it'll make more sense that it needed to be the way it happened. Canvassing Mm -hmm. needed to come first because we talked about last week, like Mark makes the point that it's too early. And if there had been a paper written about the pit already, I don't know if it would have been too early. So I think, I think they made the right call there. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I love that. Okay, hit me with the summary, girl. All right, let's do it. In this episode, we witness Leslie's first media opportunity for the pit and her subcommittee with Shauna Malway Tweep from the Pawnee Journal. And this is the first time we meet Shauna Malway Tweep. In their first meeting, Leslie shows high anxiety and shifts the focus to Anne and Andy, which brings out the fact that Andy was actually drunk when he fell in the pit. This news brings Leslie to ask Mark to fix the entire problem, which he does by sleeping with Shauna Malway Tweep leading to yet another awkward Leslie-Shauna encounter. (laughs) Subsequently, Mark is dropped from the committee, and Shauna threatens to publish the negative comments from her encounter with Mark. With Anne's help, Mark attempts to get Shauna to drop the comments with no success. And as a side story, we watch Tom purposefully lose to Ron in online Scrabble. Ooh, good job, Maddie. That was very succinct and illustrative and explanatory. I loved it. I feel like I will get better every time. Um... Okay, the cold open is that we get to meet Jerry, like, actually having him talk and stuff, which is super exciting. And he's doing such a Jerry thing, right? He's leading a wildlife tour, okay? Like, which is so on par for who Jerry is as a character, (laughs) you know? Like, to know all this stuff. Um, Then Mm -hmm. another thing I noticed, but I don't think I've noticed this before, is Leslie has a notepad. Like, she is legitimately taking notes as Jerry speaks, yeah, like she's on this tour right. too. Exactly. So like I was like I had I had a little like tumble in my brain for a second of first of all, this does like totally personify like Leslie as a person in this moment. Like you're like, okay, this completely encapsulates who Leslie is as a person. She's going on a basic, like preteen wildlife tour and she's taking notes, right? So like thorough. But then on the other side, it's like the Leslie in season five, I'm not sure if she would care enough about what Jerry was saying (laughs) to take notes, Mm. you know? Good point. But, you know, I mean, I guess we could also say Jerry hasn't necessarily become the Jerry of the office yet, maybe? Also, I love that they had that line of like, it used to be pre-teenature hikes, (laughs) but then they changed it because a girl got pregnant. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And I love the fact that there are only three kids on this hike. Like, I know. That's true. Right. But you'd think, like, 
you know, you could at least get 10 kids to do that and they have a turnout of three. That must be hard, I guess, and challenging to get people to sign up to do stuff through the government, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Like in real life. Yeah. The other thing I notice is when she's doing that talking head, right, where you say like, um, we had to change it to a preteen nature hike, is you can see Jerry is like reaching up into the tree in the background and the kids are kind of like hanging out around him and I like couldn't tell I don't know if you you saw that but like and what you think happened but I was like picturing they threw something of Jerry's up in the tree and now he's trying to get it (laughs) so like that's what I was picturing was happening but I I didn't catch it but that sounds like it would be real (laughs) right yeah, Either that or he that. was like trying to figure out what exactly he was going to show them and he was just reaching <laughs> up in a tree and right. I think either one would be very valid. <laughs> it looks like it was purposefully blocked that way. Something funny to be kind of going on in the background. Yeah. I noticed too that Jerry holds up country honeysuckle. That is not honeysuckle. Okay. I'm sorry. He pulls it out of the grass. And honeysuckle, I looked it up just to make sure I wasn't crazy because I am from Virginia and we have honeysuckle everywhere. Um, honeysuckle is on a shrub or vines, says the internet, and it is not in the grass. Um, but I think that's why they said Pawnee style, quote unquote, uh, to get away with it. <laughs> right. Only our honeysuckle grows from the ground. Okay? Oh, right. Exactly. And then Leslie eats it and her tongue starts to swell. Right. Which is funny to me. Like she's more of a kid in this moment than any of the kids that they're, they have on the tour, right? she's like i'm gonna i'm gonna so eat true. this honeysuckle and it is so well acted by amy poehler like the entirety of the rest of the scene and and that last line she has like it has a like a sweet aftertaste though but she's got that like swollen tongue and everything yeah. it's so well said and um i love the entire interaction right is like jerry's like and even the animals know not to eat this and she's like i'm not an animal And then then he's like, they're like, okay, we can't scare the kids. We can't scare the kids. And she's like, what other plants can't we eat, Jerry? Which it's kind of hard to tell that that's what she said because, you know, she's acting as if her mouth is starting to swell. But it's it's so comical. I know. It really reminded me of her SNL skits. Mm, That's all I have on the uh, cold open. Oh, my gosh. Well, look at that. Um, So now we're going to... um, Leslie's office Mm -hmm. and she's telling Anne it's I like how we do this I I like how they do this because they do it in the office as well but I don't feel like they do it as often where we see Anne walking into the the Mm -hmm. city hall um and we hear Leslie's voice so there's like this um like a overlap right right so yeah she's overdubbed while the scene is happening yeah right right and it does happen in the office i just wouldn't say as often as um, right right and that is mostly for time constraints which i have a note about that a little bit later but yeah that's a really great editing call for them to save time so that we still get the dialogue that they want but you also still get the scene exactly and we're there and she's telling Anne, right, that she got this big uh, reporter to come and do an interview about the pit because the media is going to be really helpful in, in making this work. And she's like, this is like the biggest paper. And she turns to the camera, right, to show the paper. And I laughed out loud because the front page title is Spring Arrives. <laughs> so like, <laughs> like, huge deal. Oh, yeah. That's the most exciting thing that Pawnee has to, to report <laughs> on, right, is that spring's here, finally, you know. That's a good mention. And, you know, somebody sat there, and yeah, I love thinking about this too, right, is that somebody sat there and came up with what that was going to say. Mm-hmm. What What is the most bland and, like, most naturally recurring thing that can happen <laughs> that this small town would be excited about? Right, you know? totally. 
Also, what is this bow on Leslie's shirt? (laughs) Oh my gosh, that is literally my next note is what is this bow? Um, It's so massive. It's massive. It doesn't look fully centered and sometimes it's not straight. (laughs) Right. It's very dramatic. And I have a commentary note. They would always um, talk about how her character kind of has this thing that's supposed to look professional, but it also just kind of looks dorky. (laughs) So it really told a story with just her clothes. I would love to talk to the wardrobe designer and see what that process was and see if like Amy Poehler had any say in what she was wearing or kind of if she, I'm sure by the end of it she did. Oh, yeah. And I think her her wardrobe does change as she progresses through the government. Um, I agree. I would be very intrigued to know what that process is like. I think the logic behind putting this massive bow on the middle of her chest is she wants to look professional for this. And you're just like, oh, but honey. (laughs) She thinks it looks cute and professional at the same time and like playful and fun. But she's like, it's so distracting. (laughs) It is. Yeah, it's it's very distracting and just not and it's not accomplishing the job she wanted it to. (laughs) So, yes, um, I have a line from here that it's not my favorite line of the episode but it's i still think it's hilarious oh my god it might be my favorite line i don't know let's see oh really okay i don't know Uh, it's the (laughs) when she says media has the power to kill people or feed people oh okay (laughs) no but that wasn't my line okay so thank god (laughs) but i did love that line i did love it Uh, yes um and i think i will lead us to where i think your favorite line is which is all i what i also wrote down we get a little mention of some of the other projects she's worked on like the Tucker Park graffiti removal project, which <laughs> just before you mention your favorite line, that had to be a handful to learn because I practiced that before we even got on. <laughs> like, I'm going to mess it up. The Tucker project. What is it again? The Tucker Park graffiti removal project. Oh, my gosh. What a mouthful. Right. Which that's she what says she it said. like three times. <laughs> Which speaking of which is awesome to say, (laughs) on the same page. (laughs) Amazing. So this mural is of a bunch of penises because of the graffiti, and (laughs) and they're they're quite large. And I imagine that this would have been hilarious uh, to paint if you had that job. I mean, they always talk about that in the office, ladies, where they talk about Kentopedia, who is like kind of in charge of the props as well. And like, I got to make a box for a funeral. Uh, for a bird yeah. <laughs> and uh, this one is like those this props department got to ba- paint a bunch of penises and i do wonder if they were actual penises or if they were just like in the shape like a phallic shape just because like right. they blurted out anyway but i'm sure they were real i'm gonna say they were real they're, <laughs> they're very detail oriented so why wouldn't they be right. but this line i'm haunted by those penises one penis in particular <laughs> <laughs> It's so good. I that have a brief tangent so um, yes. for the uh, grooms moment that I was a part of. One of the things that I did was I got a bunch of penis gummies, but I also got penis confetti and uh, for the gals on the side. And also just because it was a grooms moment and I needed to have something um, private parts shaped. Uh, and the gummies came with confetti if you paid like $2 extra. And I was like, fuck yes, I'm doing that. Hello. And <laughs> so <laughs> it's these tiny, 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 little pieces of confetti shaped like penises and they are pink and they are dramatic and get 
everywhere for months and months i have found it and found them in my house just randomly uh and now it's hilarious because still to this day so the groom's moment was probably what a week ago two weeks ago i think at this point now uh and the um people who i hosted the groom's moment at shout out to sarah and tolan are sending me pictures of how they're finding it everywhere oh she found it um like on her actual dog that it was like in his fur and there was one like <laughs> there was one like in the kitty litter our other friend tom found one like on top of the um his bowl that he had brought like <laughs> some pizza sauce that he made which was great um but like there was a little penis on top of that which i'm sure maybe that was staged i'm sure it was staged <laughs> Oh I my don't know. gosh. But the point is that we've been sending pictures back and forth to each other of like where we're finding these penises and it's still happening. That's so like oh my we've gosh. just been randomly finding these tiny little penis confettis everywhere and it just makes me laugh. And everything I'm learning from what we talked about last week and now this, I just am getting so much more excited for you to be my maid of honor. <laughs> too it's gonna be great i was born to be yes it's gonna be it's gonna be a party (laughs) is what it's gonna be so i'm very excited me too so we can move on to the conference room where leslie is hounding in stay on the message stay on message to to her committee basically which is she's very like it's interesting to me because she's very prepared about this right she's very Mm -hmm. like she's doing her due diligence to make sure everybody's on the message on message and that she's um she's like has this list of questions she's about to ask mark right and so she's very prepared um and she's very like nervous about it you can tell she's like anxious for it you know Mm -hmm. um and before we get to the questions that she has for mark i wanted to mention this little talking head that Anne has because it, it bothers me so much living mm, where I do. About the recycling bin? Is, um, I literally yes. wrote a note about that, that I want a recycling bin and my apartment doesn't have one and I really wish that Same. they would. That is legitimately oh, what I have written down. I don't have, yeah, we don't have recycling here and it's it bothers me a lot. And yeah. I'm really sad that Anne did never get her recycling bin. You would remember, right? If you, somebody drops off a recycling bin at your house, you're remembering that there's a recycling bin. Right. Well, do you guys have like recycling centers that you could go to? Not that I know of. Uh, there's one actually really close to my apartment, which is nice. And they're very sporadically placed throughout Nashville. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, that's what I do. I, you know, gather my recyclables and then take them out like once a month to the place near my uh, apartment. Yeah. That that's the thing. I don't think we have them. I don't even remember remember there being recycling in Phoenix. So mm. I think the state just doesn't do the recycling. Interesting. Okay. Well, we'll have to look yeah. that up and see what we can do. That's crazy. Yeah. I'm not about it. But that's the same note I had. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's exactly where my mind went. Also, LOL at Tom having his Lacoste yes, shirt again. Right, his ass bright pink, pink Lacoste it's like shirt. Bright. It's very <laughs> disturbing. <laughs> no, it's not disturbing. It's just very um, mm-hmm. shocking and alarming. Right. is what I mean to say. Yeah, which I think may, might be the point. But yes, that is that's his um, place of choice. Which is funny because in this episode, it does uh, you see a trajectory here, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But mm-hmm. his outfit changes into a little bit more of you know the tom that we all know and love a little bit later but i thought that was kind of a visual slap in the face too because he's in this bright shirt this whole time and then later when we see him he's in the suit and you're like right okay. right Ooh, also side note different. you guys um i meant to say this out loud is that if you do have a recycling place and you've been waiting to go recycle and you know that it's there you should do that like at least i don't know once a month or once every couple months just do it when you can you know yeah 
save there the world go. or go down trying. Um, well, are you ready for this? I think we almost need a sting for this by itself. Oh, uh, what is it? But we we are going to JJ's diner for the first time. Yes! Yes. Oh, my God. JJ's diner is so beautiful. And, yeah, we do need a first-time JJ's alert. Before we get there, though, um, can you to- so totally tell that, like, Mark is about to follow Anne out to ask mm. her out? Like, when Anne leaves before yeah. they go to JJ's, um, he's, like – walking out behind her kind of and uh it does it looks it's very subtle but i'm pretty positive he's right trying to get which is her. like <laughs> douchey because you know she has a boyfriend you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right right oh my god that's true i didn't even think about andy in that situation i was just right. like oh they're gonna get together <laughs> oh andy <laughs> that's funny i do have um a commentary moment as well i found out why jj's is named jj's oh yes oh my gosh yes it is so precious okay so this is from the commentary mike sure says that jj's diner is named after uh, mike sure's wife her name is jj philbin yes okay i've heard her name before because she is regis philbin's daughter correct oh my god i didn't even know that part i believe she is Okay, because when I Googled slash looked her up, she's a writer and producer. Like, she's a screenwriter, uh, which is power couple. Hello. Amazing. Uh, But she is best known for The O.C., which, hello, I did not know that she wrote a lot of The O.C. Um, She wrote the Chrismica episode. If anyone, uh, oh any my gosh. of my 90s people slash early 2000s people remember that. Very cool. Uh, but she's done a ton of things. Like, she wrote a bunch of episodes of New Girl. Uh, she's been a writer on SNL as well. Um, but, yeah, uh, I didn't know that she was uh, Regis's daughter. But, yeah, she made a name for herself, and she's amazing. Yes, I looked it up to make sure I wasn't crazy. Yep, she's she's Rebus. Rebus. She, is Re- <laughs> <laughs> she is Regis's daughter. Yeah, but that's so cool that he named the diner after her. That's so cool. I can't believe I didn't I put that together. And, well, I wouldn't have thought about that either um, until this commentary. Did you know that she was married to him before this? Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. I didn't even know that. Um, I love that, though, how you can kind of pay homage to somebody you love or just in general. I love that it's interwoven into the story. Yeah, I agree. And JJ's agree. will live on forever. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Infamous JJ's mm-hmm. Diner. Yes, and we have just a classic Leslie scene here in JJ's Diner. And we do find a lot later, like, yes, JJ's is used for comfort, but she does hold a lot of her business meetings there as well. So, you know, I think, you know, you could take turf. Yes, for sure. 100%. And she's like, look, uh, Mark, I really want to run some questions by you so that I'm ready for this interview. Like, she's taking this so seriously. I and put that in my notes. I literally wrote Maddie. She's taking this so seriously. Oh, my God. <laughs> Maddie, it's blowing my mind. I know. We're amazing. It's fine. It's uh, wild. <laughs> it's just, like, blowing my fucking I already knew that we were amazing, but, like, damn. I know. We're, like, the same person. And it's <laughs> but it's, like, but we're, like, not at the same time. But you we're, know? like, so it's different. Like... We're, so, we're different and similar in all the right ways. That is going to be on a T-shirt that I make for you at some point. <laughs> I would wear that every day. I'm not even kidding. Under all of our clothes. Yeah. (laughs) And she wears a t-shirt that says Aaron Samuels under all of her clothes. (laughs) Do you know what I'm quoting? Yes. Mean Girls. I got you. That is our second Mean Girls quote on this podcast. (laughs) Right. 
Oh, man. Oh, my God. Okay, back to the show. She's taking this so seriously. Yes. I love all these discussion questions. Also, why in the F? I mean, I just don't get why Leslie still loves him so much. Like, she's flirting and laughing with him. and Yeah, I, like, and I think she thinks he's flirting back with the way that she's responding to him. You mm-hmm. know, like, kind of leaning in and doing that, like, giggly thing, you mm-hmm. know? I'm like, girl, honey, like, but no, you know, he's not into you like that. And and also, he's not worth I, it. You're so much better than no, him. No, he's not. He's Ugh. definitely not. And I think this is the moment, right, where she, in a talking head, she's like, we slept together. <laughs> right. <laughs> we already know. Like, right. Like, we get fine. it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, and something that's interesting, uh, I do have a brief commentary moment. Mark was on this one. Paul Schneider is his name in real life. And he did talk about how him and I think Mike Schur and pretty much everyone was kind of echoing that Mark doesn't know that Leslie likes him. Like, that's kind of how he was playing it, where I think that's good to know, because if I, 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 there are some parts when I'm like, oh, he totally, like, knows that he likes her, or she likes him, and she's, he's just being like a dick, kind of, but I, he, I don't think that he knew that, um, and I have a couple different things about Paul Schneider. Okay, here's my Paul Schneider break really fast. Yes. So, Mark in the commentary, like, didn't super know how to pronounce his last name, as far as Brandanowitz, like, he said Brandanowitz, Brandanowitz, because he was like, I think if we were in Poland, it would be pronounced Brandanowitz, maybe? Um, but I was also, which, like, I understand, but at the same time, I was like, um, but every, like, you know, you're on the show, and you know that everyone says Brandanowitz, okay? Right. Like, what? But I understand where he is coming from. Uh, but something else that really uh, made me happy and kind of put me a little bit more on Paul Schneider's side for sure uh, and how he played this was that Paul Schneider uh, said that he really found a lot of his character by acting with Amy Poehler because he didn't really know who this guy was, right? Like, cause, especially because he was trying to play like the straight man slash, you know, dry humor to Amy's comedic person character and the writer said that they really only had eight pages of who Mark was at this time which I think they meant like eight pages of script not eight pages of show bible because that would be a lot but that yeah uh, they were (laughs) they were so they were all really kind of learning who he was and who the other characters were but um I like that he mentions that he learns more about himself and his character as he interacts with the other characters which is like a Obviously, that sounds like it's something that you would really kind of know, but I feel like hearing an actor say that was really interesting to understand why he made the choices that he made. Um, Because I think at first you kind of are like, who is this dude? Like, why are you being the way that you are? And so he was finding it out too, kind of thing. Um, And then he would always say in this commentary, he would always say that like, while he was on set he was like oh everyone else kind of like knows what they're doing nick knows what he's doing who plays ron uh so but like i just don't know what i'm doing and it was nice that everyone else kind of chimed in and said like well we were all figuring it out too he was being very humble this paul schneider fella because he comes from the world of uh indie movies where like you don't have time you don't have money like we only have this much uh resources so like he was taken aback a little bit by how many takes they did in mm-hmm. parks and rec because and you know because they had the not only the resources but they could really milk the improvisation behind it and play uh and i think that that really spoke to me a lot because uh that's why we have so many great takes that we see now because they got to choose kind of between Mm -hmm. what they wanted to do and then as they do it more you kind of get lost in the character as opposed to thinking about the words and then you kind of get to be your character and not think about being your character uh as opposed to like being in your head of like what would leslie say at this point or what would mark say at this point you can kind of just do it 
But Nick Offerman said that it was – he had a funny joke where he said uh, – <laughs> when Paul Schneider said, I don't know what I'm doing, and Nick kind of seems like he knows what he's doing, uh, he was like, it's just because of all the whiskey that I'm drinking, and it makes it seem like I'm trained and focused when really I'm just trying to stand upright. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he's so funny. But yeah, so that's kind of a nice little background story on kind of how Mark Brandanowitz's character uh, is evolving. Yes, I love that because I didn't know that. I didn't know that and I didn't know the backstory of him not knowing that Leslie Mm -hmm. likes him. So although I think we probably kind of should figure it out right when later he asks out and he dates Anne because you hope he wouldn't be a big enough dick to like ask a girl who has a crush on him best friend right 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 right, right. yes you know so but also men are dumb so they are oblivious all of the time so whatever (laughs) (laughs) sorry men just kidding not all men but most men (laughs) yes if you're if you're ready to go back to the yes i'm ready okay we're gonna see shauna maui tweet come on in and my favorite is she walks in and she goes i'm looking for leslie nope and april goes okay Just which not giving just, a fuck. Classic yeah, April. Yeah, which is, I, well, yes, that is the first thing is like, it's so her character. Um, And the other thing is I kind of want to channel her because there are so many times when people say things to me and I just want to be like, okay, instead of like mm-hmm. responding. Absolutely. You know? Oh my God. And then I don't know if you also looked up um, Allison Becker. No, I didn't. Yes, she is who plays Shauna Molly Tweep. Um, and she actually comes from Amy Poehler's Upright Citizens Brigade. No way. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? So she probably, oh. they probably knew each other somehow, right? I don't know. You just never know, man. It's true. Like UCB has, it grew so much that there's just so many people involved. But yeah, I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure that they like had a connection somehow, but that's right. amazing. She did a great job. Uh, yes. And I like that they bring her back, right? So she's not just here and then leaves, especially with this small town vibe that they've got, right? So it's it makes more sense to bring her back as the reporter than to have like 15 other reporters throughout the entire series so i think that just rounds out um the show so well too um she's Mm -hmm. also been in episodes of curb your enthusiasm new girl Mm. the league uh lucifer and adam ruins everything have you ever seen Adam I love Ruins? Adam Ruins. Yes, it's so good. I love that show so much. I don't remember her being in it particularly, right. um, but I'm I'm sure I remember it when I saw it. It's been a minute, but uh, I love that show. So good. It is. It's great. So that's what I found out about her. Cute. Yeah. I loved- Did we- Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I loved the, uh, the connection with Upright Citizens Brigade. Yeah, so. totally. We're definitely creating this whole improv ecosystem. It's amazing. I love mm-hmm. it. I'm sure that they improvised a ton more. They were on network, so they could really make it as, you know, do as much as they wanted to. No, right. I, I, I'm acting like they had they were just free-reigning. Obviously, you have constraints. Right. But, um, but they had more than, yes. like, an indie film where they had a budget, I feel. Right, exactly. I love the, the wink at the raccoon problem. She wrote this piece on the raccoon problem, and they keep that through the entire show, too. We learned later that Leslie's mom was going to give birth to her in Pawnee, but because the raccoons were rampant in the hospital, right? So they, I mean, they, they have little nuggets so early on in the show that they just completely um, fleshed yeah, out. Yeah, it's, it's really well done. So I, I loved that little nod. So Yes, I have a note about the raccoons. That was going to be my next note, that this was originally a promo shot when uh, oh. Leslie is like saying, no, no, <laughs> to the raccoon. 
<laughs> so this was a promo shot for NBC, um, and then they decided to just throw it in the episode. It wasn't actually written into the script for this episode. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. Uh, and the ra- like you were saying is exactly correct, that the raccoon problem was one of the first things that they mentioned in the writer's room. Oh <laughs> I gosh. don't know why. <laughs> But it was a big deal from the beginning, and they wanted to make sure that it was in there kind of throughout the show. Right. Yeah, that's great. That's so great. I want to know who was, like, putting that on the note card and hanging it on the wall. (laughs) I know. Seriously. (laughs) We got to have something about raccoons in there, you know? I wrote this, though. Like, I wrote the same exact thing, though. Just a bunch of exclamation points. Like, first raccoon alert. First (laughs) of many. The other thing is she says, would you like a tour? And Shauna Malweep is like... Oh, I've been here before. She's like, would you like a tour? Like, tour? <laughs> she can't go off book, right? And we, and we, and we yes. saw that in canvassing as well, right? When she shuts da- down Anne's attempt to relate to um, a citizen, like, you know, it's like she's like, nope, this is what I have in my itinerary that we're doing from 2 to 2.30, so we mm-hmm. are 100% doing it, you know? Isn't that so ironic that she is such a great improviser and she's playing someone who does not know how to go off yes. book in oh, real Oh, I didn't even notice the connection. <laughs> That's such a good point. She's so good at improvising mm-hmm. that she can play so well someone that doesn't know how to improvise. Right. Exactly. Yeah, really well done. That's amazing. Um, and the, mm-hmm. uh, the other question I have for Leslie is like, why? Why do you take everyone to the murals? Like, I know. Are there not? She's so weirdly proud of them or like that's just a comfort. Like she knows what the murals are about. She knows everything about them. So like she can be confident in the fact that she knows the information that she's giving to these people. Right. Exactly. I mean, and it's just like, is there nothing else in your city hall that like has value that would be pretty to look (laughs) at other than these? This is the biggest deal, Maddie, obviously. (laughs) Yes. This poor Native American tied to a tree with a cannon facing him. Like, is, you know, really what we (laughs) all need to see. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Also, side note, like, she says, so speaking of the mural, she says Chief Wamapo. And I'm guessing that the chief's name was Wamapo instead of Wamapoke with a K because it's the Wamapoke tribe. Tribe. But she says it's Chief Wamapo. So I wonder if that was a mishap or if that is just how they wrote it. So that there's no K on the chief's name, but there is a K in the tribe. I think I think that's just the chief's name. And I think okay. the tribe is the Wama they are the Wamapoke, but his name is Wamapo. Okay. That was okay. that was okay. my Cute. consensus from listening to that. Yeah. Cool. So because they, they are so on the details, like I don't think they mess that up on accident, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I do love that they get letters every day about how awful the meals are. <laughs> that was a good line. It was a good line. Oh my gosh. I can't believe nobody's complained about this. Oh, oh, they have. <laughs> We're just not doing <laughs> anything do. about it. <laughs> right, which is so... Relevant. Um, yes, very relevant. <laughs> so when we get back into the actual like Parks and Rec portion of the uh, of the of City Hall, um, I love when she introduces her to Ron and Ron has the most Ron Swanson answer of no comment. Like, <laughs> no comment on no what? No comment to what? Yeah. Like, but he's just like, no, I'm not talking to you. So. Right. Exactly. I love that she has, um, I wrote first red binder alert. That red binder that she uses throughout the course of the show. This is, I think, the first time that we see it. Her little um, notepad thing. Yes. That's great. That's consistent, too. That is something I feel that she uses for every project. Yeah. 
for sure. We get introduced to Scrabble here too. Like oh, the, cool. the whole okay. Scrabble thing, right? So Ron, after he says no comment, he's like, Tommy boy, like yeah. we're playing Scrabble now. I have actual quotes. It comes later, but he's like, he introduces like the Scrabble portion, right? And then Tom's right, right, like, right. you know, I don't, you know, I don't play well on purpose. Like his look to camera is like, yeah, sure. I don't know how to play. Right. Um, and we go into the conference. I guess they call it the conference room, right? That's what I've been calling mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Um, I'd call it that. Yeah. And she introduces everyone to Shauna. Gotta have a conference room in a Mike Schur, oh, yeah. Greg Daniels show. Ab absolutely. <laughs> yes. Um, but she introduces everyone to <laughs> to Shauna Mawai Tweep. And I love the way she does it. Did you catch this or write it down or anything? Because I don't want. I didn't write it down, but I think I know what you're going to say. Okay. Go ahead. So we have Tom, boy genius, smooth like milk chocolate. And his response is, <laughs> that's a weird way to describe me. Um, April, <laughs> cool enough to be invited anywhere and chooses to be here. And April's look to the camera is like, what are you even doing? Like, How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> what makes you think I choose to be here? Like, that's the kind of vibe I get mm -hmm. from her. And then we have Anne and Andy, who are the real heroes of this story. Um, Anne, who brought the attention to us of the pit. And uh, Andy, the one who fell in. <laughs> so I do think Tom's <laughs> is peak, peak introduction on that one. So Right. Milk chocolate. Yes. Oh, my gosh. But so. And she's so freaked out about the tape is, recorder. Though. Oh, no. She keeps stopping it. And I'm just like, oh, no, Leslie, poor thing. Yeah. And I think the interview just goes off the rails from the beginning. Like, right. it doesn't matter what Anne or Andy even says. Like, it just, she just can't handle the tape recorder. Right. And I, like, it's interesting to me because I, I see this here and then I see it later as well, is politicians in, in my eyes, and I feel like a lot of America, they are literally bred to lie. Right. Mm. We have to fact check a lot with our politicians, which shouldn't be something we have to do, but we do have to do it. And mm -hmm. she here is so worried that she's going to tell a lie or she's going to say something and it's going to be taken out of context and turned into a lie or whatever. I think that's really what's driving her being stopping the tape recorder. Right. Because each time she comes back and she's like, well, I don't know how to answer that because of this and this and this. Right. And the one that I love because the delivery of it from Amy Poehler is just beautiful is when she's like, well, we meet in a lot of places. So I wasn't sure how to answer that. Yeah, I know. It's like not that thing of lying almost, even though like, yes, that is true. It's almost as though, you know, you just want to skirt around it a little bit so that you're not caught. Right. <laughs> Which is another form of lying. Sure. But yeah, she just wants to impress. She wants to say everything right. She's a perfectionist and she's just not sure if what she's saying is going to be misconstrued. Right. Exactly. So she needs a break, right? Uh, Shauna's like, listen, you go take a minute and I will ask other people questions. And we have this amazing spy shot of Leslie using manila envelopes or manila folders to to fan her armpits. And, and just the, <laughs> she like looks in them and there's nothing in them right <laughs> she like realizes she's being watched and she's like oh no oh interesting information okay <laughs> like she tries to swing it for herself you know that she, it doesn't look mm -hmm. like she's that as nervous as she is um we immediately right she's like okay well i'll talk to andy and ann right i'll get information from them and of course, which I feel like we should know from the interactions we've had with Anne and Andy before, right? That Andy's going to take the reins on talking. Because yeah. 
at least in this point and when she's in her relationship with Andy, Anne is kind of like a backseat. Like, I won't, I don't talk too much. I've noticed that, mm-hmm. you know, we, and then we'll see in a couple episodes where she finds her voice and she's like, no, I'm done with this being like this backseat Annie, I guess. Um, right. But backseat Annie. Ooh, interesting. <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, but he, of course, he, he's very strategic about this. He's like he brings the tape recorder closer because he's going to mention his band, Three Skin, mm-hmm. formerly known as Four Skin. <laughs> But I wrote that down. I laughed it's out loud at that. So good. I almost I almost <laughs> chose that as my quote for the favorite line, yeah. yeah. Um but oh my gosh, it's just like so Andy the way that he does that, right? And mm-hmm. he and he's like, you know, it's really is a great story about how I fell in the part in the pit. And we find out that he was drunk and he saw a toaster at the bottom <laughs> and wanted to get the toaster and that's how he fell in and poor Anne doesn't know this this is news to her and he's like oh no I definitely told you that she's like you definitely did not so it kind of goes to to shit there because he Mm -hmm. yeah and then he says like well you're on the pill and you drink all the time yeah I was like what which uh, he does it so um hilariously and uh, it's a great line Uh, but I had to put on subtitles for that because I couldn't figure out what he was saying um Mm. but like I didn't know that he was saying she's on the pill and then she's like, um, he says that she's on the pill and drinks all the time. And then she says, you're, you're allowed, allowed to do that. <laughs> Which side note, you guys, if you have to be on birth control, just be on birth control. It is your yeah. choice, ladies. <laughs> yes, seriously. 100%. In all seriousness, not everyone does it for sexual reasons. So obviously that is a great reason to do it. But some people do it for other hormonal reasons that men just don't understand, unfortunately. So if you need to do it, do it. Yeah. So um, the only reason I figured out he was saying the pill earlier is because Leslie brings it up to Mark right when he comes in. Oh. And she's, he, she's like, and Anne's on the pill. And Anne's like, what the fuck? Why does everyone know this right, now? Right. She says it in this like judgmental right. tone. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, it's just it's so right. sad. But this is one of my favorite moments in this episode because we see it's not as quirky as it gets. But we see the first um, form of affection through words from Leslie to Anne when Anne says, can't we just go back in there and talk about the park? And Leslie is like, oh, Anne, you're so sweet and innocent and pretty. And yes, I was like, Yay. almost our first nopism, right? right? Yes. Almost, almost. She just hasn't equated her to an inanimate object right. or an animal. <laughs> so, yes, we're, we're getting there. It's we're the beginning. up to that. Yes. Mm-hmm. We'll track it. Yes. Tracking that for sure. <laughs> Um, and I don't, I, this is another thing is that Mark comes in and he's like, I got your 15 text messages. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Very Leslie. Nope. Yes. So Leslie, the other thing that I have that I wrote down, I I thought that this was going to be my favorite line and it wasn't because something comes up later, but I have to say this because this goes back to the Scrabble situation is (laughs) Ron equates Tom to his ex-wife, Tammy. Because mm-hmm. she also is terrible at Scrabble. So he says she's terrible at Scrabble and she's a bitch. <laughs> that look to camera is so funny. Yes. And then again, he has to say it again. He's like, her name is Tammy Swanson and a serious bitch. The way that they were talking about it, I think it was 
the writer, maybe Dan Gore said this. I don't know. He was like, it's almost as if Ron didn't think that the camera caught it. So he had to say it again or something. Right. Which like is hilarious. But also secondly, I noted this before I heard the commentary that he doesn't say Tammy one or Tammy two. So I guess we learned that later. Uh, I don't think that they had that in store yet. And I was confirmed on that by Mike Schur saying in the commentary, he was like, maybe one day we'll meet Tammy Swanson. And I was like, oh, <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> So it was really cool for them to flesh that out. Uh, And Ron was like, oh, I really look forward to that. Like, I greatly look forward to that. And yes, of course he does. Because his beautiful wife, Megan Mullally, very talented, the iconic legend star. Uh, Which, by the way, I keep, I don't know if anyone else has caught it, but I've been saying iconic legend star because Whitney Cummings' friend, Benton Ray, who's on her podcast, says that all the time. And it's hilarious about certain people. Uh, And so... I just wanted to give credit where credit is due. Go follow him on Instagram. He's hilarious. Um, But Ron, yeah, I thought that was a really cool little foreshadowing. Yeah, and I can't believe they didn't know it was going to be fleshed out then because she does come in the second season. Yeah, big deal. Yeah, huge deal. And I think, like, for my my understanding from listening to this, and I could be wrong, was I was under the impression they were referencing Tammy too. Mm. So um, just because I think he's a little afraid of Tammy one to call her a bitch. Yeah, yeah. At this point, probably, but so. it, I think he he'll call them bitches behind their back, but he would never say it when they're like near them, <laughs> near each other, rather. Right. Did you notice that as right. they're leaving, there's a sign above the shredder that says "Shredder is for documents only, no garbage." <laughs> it really made me laugh. They have to put that sign up for April. I for think, April, anything. I that's my guess is that she's been sitting there Jerry. shredding. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my god. April would make sense, too, because she's, like, bored and putting, like, banana peels in there. I just imagine her doing that. In my head, I was literally about to say, she's probably doing it with banana peels. Oh, my God. It's so perfect. I'm going to cry out of joy. Yes. Perfection. (laughs) I did not notice that, but I I love it. Um, The one thing I I felt when we were watching Shauna and um, Mark walk away was I think we're getting an inkling of both of their characters, right? Because as we go through the seasons, we find out Shauna's kind of like a little bit slutty. And doesn't she really wants ha- to be with everyone. Right. And she doesn't really have a lot of self-esteem. So she does look for it in in those guys. Um, so we have that. And then we also have Mark, who we've already kind of gotten the gist that he's a womanizer. And Tom has this mm-hmm. gross line later that like he's stuck it to some What's he say? Like he's stuck. He's stuck oh, yeah, it to he's some. Stuck it in some crazy chicks. Yes, yes. That was like the last one of the last lines he has in the show. Yeah. In the commentary and as I was watching it, I was like, I can't believe that made it on prime time. <laughs> like right. That line. <laughs> Everybody was so like, how did that make it? <laughs> right. Well, that and all the times they say penis in this episode. <laughs> I guess penis is fine because it's medical. I don't know. Who knows? Oh. Okay. <laughs> I can get behind that. All right. I can understand that for sure. Okay. That's not how they're using it, but okay. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, I go back and forth, though, on what you were saying. Like, I kind of go back and forth on uh, whether I think that Shauna is, like, slutty or just, like, she's in a small town and she's getting I think she's lonely. Yeah, lonely is a good call. And Yeah, yeah. She's going through some shit. (laughs) And also, like, if she wants to get it, she can get it. It's fine. Whatever. Yeah, I didn't, like... I don't think she's slutty. I think she projects her loneliness and, like, the lack of self-esteem she has on looking for it out of other relationships. Because we do, we do find that out later. Like, she's like, well, my boyfriend, I was going to 
spend Thanksgiving with my boyfriend or whatever, but he decided to go back and spend it with his wife and kids. <laughs> right. And you're like, oh, Shauna, no. <laughs> Oh, oh, no. No, but I, um. I think that was how they kind of meant to paint her anyway, because Anne has this talking head, which I'll talk about a little bit later. It was a deleted scene, but yeah, we'll get to that. But yeah, so we're at the, are we at the pit now? We are at the pit, ready for and the- And then we find out that Mark and Shauna slept together. Yes. And she's in the same outfit. I was like, she's oh late. Lord. She's late. She is so unprofessional because she doesn't have a pen. That bothers oh the crap out of me. Maddie, that was my next note. I was like, oh, no, Shauna, you aren't professional. And as I was writing it, that was Leslie's next line. Yes. Yes. It's Ugh. it's so true, too. Like, at this point, she hasn't right. We we literally watch Leslie figure out what happened overnight. Right. So mm-hmm. she doesn't know when she's saying that she's not saying out of spite or hate towards Shauna. Mm-hmm. Right. Or jealousy. She's saying it because that's like legitimately unprofessional. <laughs> like mm-hmm. to you're a reporter it's literally half your job the notepad and then the pen is the other half mm-hmm. of the job like can we like get it together here <laughs> so yeah um, i play i think it played very well to what they were trying to show mm-hmm. right but i think you know you're sitting there and you're like seriously you don't have a pen <laughs> right and also i was like loling at this and then they mentioned in the commentary as well that they were uh both of them yawn like mark yawns as he drives away she's yawning as she's taking the notes and i was like oh they're right. so tired because of all the <laughs> sex they had <laughs> just showing right. how exhausted oh they are so accurate oh man in the commentary too they say that mike sure uh so mike sure was like oh you know she could definitely come back oh, that was yeah. another thing too i love hearing like how they felt about them and kind of how they wanted or didn't know that things were going to happen so it's it that's really cool uh, because also they were talking about how it's a hard thing to come into a show that, you know, if it just started or if it's been on the air for a long time to come in as a guest star to, and not really like be a part of the cast and kind of have to yeah. meld and blend with the other characters that are, have already been kind of set in stone. It is a hard thing to do, um, but she they really commended her as I did when I was watching this. Like she really blended in. And oh, yeah. I think she. She has just this pawnable quality, like the way she acts mm-hmm. it, that it, it fits very well. So mm-hmm. I think she did a great job. And I, I love how we continue, right, where when Leslie, like you can see it on her face, like I said, as she's figuring it out. Like she doesn't have a pen. She had to get a ride from Mark. She's in the same clothes. Like Yeah, and then all her this eyes trail off and so sad. Makes my heart sink for her. I know I'm so sad, but I'm also like, like we were saying when we were back at JJ's diner, like, girl, it has been five years. (laughs) If something hasn't happened, I'm not sure if it will at this point. And, you know, she's taking it so personally. Yes, she does. She deserves so much better. And she's taking it so personally, you know, like, like, like almost like Mark was trying to hurt her. It kind of looks like how she's trying to take it. And Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so she asks her, how big is the pit? And she's like, I don't know. You tell me. How big is the pit? A hundred. A hundred what? It's just, she's, she's no longer, um, kind of there cognitively. She's, you know, thinking about all the situations and scenarios in her head, how last night could have happened. Of them being together. Right. I love when she goes to her car and leans down. Yes. (laughs) I have to get something from my car. Uh. (laughs) And she just gets in the car. she comes back with like an ice shovel or something. Right. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Also, I didn't realize that her mom helped her get the city hall job. Did you catch up on that line? I did, and I did not know that, although I think I kind of inferred it from knowing that her mom worked there. Mm-hmm, I, don't, mm-hmm. I don't think I put together that she got the job from her mom, but I think I always knew she'd want to work there because her mom works there. 
Right. Fair. So, but I don't know if you'd call it nepotism, right? Because I feel like she is qualified for what she's doing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it was nepotism at all. Um, I think it's I connection. Think that if she wasn't qualified, then yeah, it was just like, it would just be like if a friend told you about a job opening, it's the right. way that I took it. Right. Exactly. So, but she feels like she's shooting herself in the foot. You know? Right, right. And I'm sure it didn't hurt, obviously, that, like, her mom was there. She probably put in a good word. But, again, like, your friends can put in good words, too. I don't know. Right. Whatever. No, yeah, 100%. But who knows? I also imagine Leslie's mom being, like, you know, intimidating to the hiring committee and being like, oh, yeah. hire my daughter, I'll kill you. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, the next part I have is leaving the pit, if you were ready. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we are going back to the office just for a very quick – I have a very quick comment. But we're back at Scrabble. and. Mm-hmm. April has taken over the computer and Tom is furious because he's been losing on purpose to Ron this whole time. And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, my gosh, you like she played words like lexicon. And mm-hmm. and he's like, Zonal, you dropped a Z. <laughs> I know. I was going to ask if you wrote down the words because I didn't write down the words, but I remember they were hilarious. So I'm glad yes. you did. That is yes. so funny. He said you dropped a Z in there, which I love Scrabble. And I love I don't know if anybody knows Bananagrams. Where you you play Scrabble basically without a board, mm-hmm. you create your own board. Mm-hmm. I love those games so much. So I was like, I resonated with that so much. I'm like, yeah, man. If you're trying not to win, you can't drop a Z because that, <laughs> right. that's like twelve <laughs> points or something. It's crazy. But anyway, that was my my thing before we see Leslie ringing the doorbell constantly, and then when she she's done ringing and then she starts knocking and she's just like mm-hmm. so persistent and Anne comes to the door she's like well I was just going I was just having having this like extremely perfect interview you know over <laughs> there at the pit and I just thought I'd leave in the middle of it <laughs> that's normal All right you know I love that this is the first time this uh, I feel is the episode of firsts because it was our first raccoon first red binder first like Shauna Malway tweep first um, JJ's this is the first time First JJ's, first time that Leslie, like, really compliments Anne in kind of weirdly inappropriate, <laughs> but not really inappropriate way. Uh, and then this is the first time that Leslie goes to Anne's house yeah. unexpectedly. And I love that Anne's like, okay, come on in, you know? Right. First of many. Yes. And it's just so, like, that's what you need, right? Like, they've known each other maybe two, three weeks now. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe a month. We don't really know the timeline of the show, but, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that she's like I'm just gonna go over there and Anne's like yeah come into my house I love it so much um it's also I laughed so hard when Andy was like oh I called that I called Shauna and (laughs) Mark having sex and Anne's like yeah he did he did he called it in the car (laughs) I loved that um I think it also his line Speaking of Andy, yes, his line says um, he's thinking. With no, the this is my favorite and... one. Yes, <laughs> this is my line, which is why when you said your favorite line was the penis one, I was like, oh, this is a penis episode. <laughs> penis episode. That is going to be the title of yes. this fucking podcast episode. <laughs> Seriously, though, because I'm sorry I had to stop you because I wanted to say it. Because <laughs> no, say it, say it. I have a note about it afterwards, but say yes, it. Yes, because my favorite line in this episode is he's probably with thinking with the head of his penis instead the he- of the head of the- his brain. <laughs> Wait, but uh, doesn't he say head of the his wiener? <laughs> Does he say wiener? I thought he said penis. Oh, I'm pretty positive it's it's pen. <laughs> Peener is what I almost. <laughs> 
I'm pretty positive he says wiener was simply and the only reason I'm saying that is because originally in the commentary they said that the line was that normal line of he's thinking with his penis not his brain but Chris Pratt changed it to the head of his wiener um and we weren't sure like in the commentary they and even as an audience member just watching it you're like did he improvise that or did he just oh, forget yeah. his line or <laughs> like made it his own but but yeah I'm pretty positive that's what okay he said that's still the per <laughs> still my favorite line Still my favorite line. It's so and then he good. follows it up with like men are gross like that. Mm-hmm. It's like you know. Which is yep, he's got it right. So it's very. It's just I thought it was very funny because I mean, how many people have thought through that before and being like, well, they're they're doing it because of sex instead of this, you know? And mm-hmm. finally, we have a man being like, yeah, that's yep. that's what yep. happens. Yeah, that's my favorite. <laughs> so good. <laughs> okay, cool. So we've yes. got our, our our two fave lines. Yes. Okay, so now we're back at the office, right? Yes, we are. Okay, so yep. Mark is being a huge dick because Leslie comes in and says, yo, you need to probably not be on the committee. And he doesn't even care. He keep And that was a cool choice. I liked his acting choice of him, like, keeping his head down while he said that because it just hurts that much more. Um, and yes. I get it. Leslie's being overzealous and whatever. But I'm definitely on Leslie's side at that point um, because I just feel like Mark is not being sensitive at all. Uh, and he's just – he seems depressed, I feel. <laughs> Something's yeah going on with it yeah um the she says you're or he tells her because she's saying right that was really unprofessional for you to do right Mm -hmm. which he's on the subcommittee so i can understand that like maybe when she's done writing the article but Mm -hmm. like there's still an affiliation there professional affiliation so it's like dude you shouldn't have done that so so he comes back with that and says you're being a complete dork and it's like Mm -hmm. okay that's not no i know and you think that he's gonna say something nice because the way that he phrases it i'm gonna tell you something i don't want you to take offense to it but you're being a huge dork (laughs) right yeah and i mean at least he didn't use anything worse he didn't say it any way uh, any worse way than that but right and i just i understand i think the decision she made to get him out of the committee i think if you look at it from her not being in love with him Mm-hmm. It was a very, very professional, like, listen, if you're not going to take this seriously, I don't want you in my committee. But I think mm-hmm. the way it plays off, too, is I'm jealous. I'm mad at you for doing this. And I don't want you on the committee anymore, you know. But I right. can see it both ways. You know, I'm I like I agree. I think, you know, her making that choice what was the best for her and and for the committee, honestly, if that's going to be how it goes, you know. Right. Right. right, um, right. But I, th- I think uh the way Leslie saves it for herself is really great because she calls her up and she's like, listen, I had a really bad burrito. I've had food poisoning, (laughs) you know? Um, and so I would love to meet with you instead, you know, and do this again and whatnot. And, you know, Shauna's cool about it. She'll meet with her. And I, I actually watched this episode the first time I watched it through, I watched it with my brother because um, mm-hmm. he was he was home while I was watching it. And he mentioned the fact like which kind of goes back to my point earlier about her not wanting the tape recorder on was mm-hmm. he mentioned. I also thought about this line. Right. She's like, well, I guess not anything but Mexican. Right. And she's like, why not? It's like, well, it wasn't a Mexican <laughs> right. burrito. It's like, OK. Um, <laughs> and when they're at That's a good line and when they're at JJ's again. Right. Is she's has these waffles and she's like, is that really the best thing for you? Right. And mm. and Connor said said to me, he's like, you know, they really they really set her up to not be a typical politician because she can't mm. even keep track of her own lie. 
you know, like <laughs> which a lot of politicians can't either. That's but yes, true. that is very true. Yeah. So she's, <laughs> yes. you know, she's not following up on not it. Not staying she's, on track. Right. Not staying on track. But she, yeah, I just thought that was a funny comment he made. I had to give credit to him because I'm not going to say it was my idea and then have him listen and get <laughs> mad at me. So <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. Also, speaking of which, um, first waffle alert. Yes. Are there, is there, like, there's not, like, not enough whipped cream on those waffles. Like, season three Leslie would have been like, um, excuse me. Right. (laughs) Oh, my God. Also, this is a square waffle, just FYI. It is shaped like a rectangle slash square. The rest of them are circles, right? Right. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, okay. there's it's still golden brown and perfect. Yes. Um, but it does not seem to be in the shape of a circle. So, right. Quick catch on that. Yes. Shauna nice. has changed her outfit, by the way. Yes. We are in outfit at that point two. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's Shauna right. Shauna had time to go home and change, I suppose, and then come back and wear a different episode, uh, a different outfit, uh, because Leslie's still in the same outfit from that earlier day. Right. Right. Yes. So I thought that that was an interesting timeline. Yes. Um, I wanted a waffle bat so badly after this scene. <laughs> yes. Accurate, <laughs> accurate, accurate. I think something with the whole Leslie wardrobe thing is we kind of see that Anne helps her out a little bit to get her life mm-hmm. together. And I'm wondering if they went on like some shopping sprees and she kind of helped her you know, look a little bit more professional because she does let her borrow her clothes later on and whatnot. Maybe so. You know, so I think, I think there was a little bit of Anne influence on, you know, I don't know if that's what they thought, but that's how I see it is Anne was like, listen, I'm going to help you look more professional and more comfortable in your clothes and blah, blah, blah. So that's how I Yeah, I love that. Cute. Okay, that's a great idea. I'll stick with it too. Yes. (laughs) Perfect. I have some commentary notes, um, but you tell me what's next on your list. Oh, I have a deep dive. <gasps> Are you ready? Go ahead. Tell me your deep dive. <laughs> so she she's listing all the things other people have said, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. And, and Shauna. Yes. And Shauna says it's more likely for the Pope to get married than for the pit to the to like happen, right? And Leslie says there are some countries where the Pope can get married. And I was like. So I deep dived it. So I don't have a ton of information. So anyone who's listening to this and is actually Catholic or knows a little bit more of the history, please reach out to us so we can set the record straight. But it is my understanding that the Pope cannot be married. There was a there. There's literally a list on Wikipedia of sexually active popes. Yes. Yes. Okay. so this is the thing. Um. And this is because they were married or sexually active before they were um, the Pope put in the Pope position. Yes. So I guess you could be married. And then if your wife passed away, then you could become the Pope. Um, or there are some people who had Ill- illegitimate children through sexual activity and then later became Pope, which like side note, I'm like 95 percent sure that would never happen today. Yeah. Where, where there would be a Pope put in charge right that had illegitimate children and you know stuff like that this it became a thing though because i looked this up i looked up the years right so we're Mm -hmm. like we're talking like the 900s where some of these popes were sure sure um were like sexually active yeah and i i don't know how i mean i feel like we may have to cut this out but (laughs) 
even with, are you about to say that even like currently they could definitely be having illegitimate children and be hidden and I'll just like everything else is hidden in the catholic church could they have illegitimate kids if they're doing it to boys though you know <laughs> no so but that's my thing right i think <laughs> I, th- I think until all the scandal came out <laughs> Oh, this the is po- not the... funny, but I am laughing at the darkness. Okay, go ahead. Uh, yeah, which we have to do at times. This because is just who I am. Be- okay, well, anyways. And, and people have to, they have to accept that it happened. Whether you're Catholic yeah, or not. Yeah, of course. You have to accept that this, it's this is a bad real. thing. It's very real. Yeah. So, anyway, before all this scandal came out, I feel like the Catholic Church had built this... What's the word I'm looking... Yes, or... Uh, Reputation. What? Thank you. My Lord in heaven. Why could I not think of that word? <laughs> the, the Catholic Church had built this reputation, right, that they do all good and everyone that holds a position of power in the Catholic Church is perfect, basically. Right. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's necessarily how they were portrayed back in the 900s or 1100s. Mm-hmm. Um, I found I found that there were sexually active popes up until the 1500s um hmm. and that was i think the like the latest one i saw but there's also there was a treaty or a a council i guess the second second lateran council in in 1135 39 the year 1139 that hmm. i guess made it so that you couldn't be married or whatnot and become the Pope. But obviously if i found stuff about in the 1500s they weren't necessarily following that so, um, I also read that recently in two, in 2020, Pope Francis decided that priests can't be married. Like, so mm. they can't, they can't become a priest if they've already been married, which I don't know if that was a thing you could do beforehand. But... Or if they're currently married. So like if you've been married before you're, and like, you're not with your wife anymore because she passed away or something, then you're good to go. But like, if you are ever have been married i'm not 100 percent sure on that that's a really good question and i should have read the entire yeah. article <laughs> no that's okay um, i mean th- honestly i i don't blame you because there's just so much information about this topic in particular right. that it's it's impossible to weed out all of those details right yeah it's it i was like i looked at all the information i could have read through and i was like this is gonna take me another 45 minutes and <laughs> right i was like i don't know if i have the time for this but i think that this is going to be a good enough amount of information. Yeah. So, but the main conclusion is that you cannot be the Pope. Not now. Uh, and be married. Not now. Yeah. Okay. I, and and it, I don't know, understand why it would be in certain countries, which is why I yeah, think I the know. line is so funny. That's why I think the line right. makes the line funny because he's the Pope to all Catholics, not just in right. the Vatican or whatever, you know? So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good well, yeah. <laughs> I like that deep dive. Good. Good call. Thank you. The Catholic Church is such a mess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, they're not a mess. I'm sorry. I take that back. It's just a, a lot of history. It is a lot. So and, you... and Holly and I actually went to a Catholic Church together in Boston a couple mm-hmm. times. Um, mm-hmm. it was, I think it's a good experience for anyone to have anyway, just to kind of see what it's about. Um, I also oh, think oh it. Gosh, yes. I think it also adds to John Mulaney's comedy, if you ever watch John Mulaney. Oh yeah, he talks a lot about his Catholic upbringing. He does, and it's it's quite funny when you when you've experienced it, and you know, mm-hmm. and it's funny because this is a complete tangent, but every single person in my family is actually dating or married to a Catholic. 
Interesting. So my, my immediate family. So my mom's husband is Catholic. My dad's girlfriend okay. is Catholic. My brother's girlfriend is Catholic. And my boyfriend <gasps> was raised Catholic. You're... Yeah, that's wild. Right? Intriguing. And we're all we're all Protestant. And my boyfriend is now yeah. now Protestant. He he's not right. like part of the Catholic he's Church. He's not practicing. But he was raised right, so he knows all the all the wow. stuff. Wow. Also, I mean, shout out to Father John at Saint Cecilia's Church in yes. Boston. Like he was one of the best priests I have ever witnessed, and he was so inclusive. He had a whole uh, sermon um, for gay people, uh, for the LGBTQIA community. I don't even think there was an I or an A or a plus in that uh, <laughs> when we went, but it was back then. No. Uh, right. It was so. It's so great. Sean and I actually talk about that all the time. Sean, who did the theme song, we went a lot, all the, and we just like because he was raised Catholic as well. Uh, and yeah, I thought so, right? And we just talk about Father John all the time, where we got very um, blessed. We say lucky, but like very blessed to have seen his mm-hmm. and heard his sermons. He was so great and so open minded, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and so and he got in a lot of trouble for like being so open minded um, and really preaching about. Jesus instead of the Catholic Church is rules. Right. And the rules mm-hmm. and the, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Because there's a very fine line between what the church wants and what God wants. It's just not always the same people. Yeah, it's not. And it's so sad. But, and this is why I'm, I'm not currently going to church. Um, I watch a lot of sermons from my church back in Illinois, which I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. But I find a lot of um, hypocrisy in the church uh specifically and i've taught had really long conversations with my dad about this mm-hmm. like i can't it's really hard for me to go to into a church where people are professing that they love everyone and they don't judge and and then they're bashing on people who mm-hmm. are gay mm-hmm. and i i'm a christian i am not gay but i don't think it's my right to judge anyone or my right to tell anyone how to live their life if you found love and you found it in a certain way, I have no problem with that. Mm-hmm. I'm happy you found love and I'm happy you're happy. But there's so many people in in many churches now, like many different demographics mm-hmm. of of religion, right, that are just so judgmental. And yeah, I just, it's, it's hard now. Mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of us out there, because I know you are the same way as mm-hmm. I am in this sense. There's a lot of us out there, but we don't have a place to necessarily go where you don't find that judgment, mm-hmm. at least not in where I'm living right now. You can't right. find that. Yeah, it's hard so. to find communities that are like-minded um, and open-minded, I'll say. Uh, here, I've actually, I mean, I went church hopping quite a few times here in Nashville, and I found one that I, I, I enjoy, and I get something out of the messages, and they have online as well. But, I mean, look, that's why so many people um, hate Christians and don't even want to talk about religion because of the hypocrisy that you're mentioning and you know how can you profess to love when you hate and you know you're just not showing what you're preaching so yeah uh it's it's rough out here um but I mean all we can do is try to you know give hope to people so but yeah Yeah, okay well I love that tangent that was a great tangent thank you so okay I have a couple things. Number one, uh, which is very important, I feel. We have to uh, shout out Dean Holland. He is the editor of this episode and of the pilot and a bunch of others. And we need to shout him out because Mm. he is phenomenal, number one. But number two, his editing, especially in this scene, is so uh, illustrative of the life that he gives to this show because they were supposed to do – so this is one of those scenes where it was supposed to be either or. So, like, they just – let them go uh, and 
improvised a bunch of lines. So all the the Pope, the unicorn, all those lines were uh, supposed to be, it was supposed to just choose one. But then Dean Holland saw all of these scenes and were like, I'm just going to wow. put all of them together and make it really fast. And it was amazing. Uh, and I really think that that just, to use all of them and still have it be 21 seconds is so genius. Yeah. That spoke to me. Because he, like we were talking about in the first episode where you were talking about my reel and like some of the other sketches that I do, I feel like are so inspired by Dean Holland. And I didn't even know that he was inspiring me. I knew it was Parks and Rec in the office, but I didn't know it was like his style Mm -hmm. kind of. Um, So that's really, I feel, something to mention in these uh, mockumentary shows is that that's where the comedy really gets its backbone, I feel, is the editing, you know? Um, right. So that's the first commentary break, Dean Holland. Second one uh, is I have a waffle commentary. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Of course. So, okay. Something that you would be very interested to know is that the whipped cream is an homage to Rachel Axler, who we talked about was the story editor for this episode yes. and the writer of the last episode, Canvassing. Uh, and they really praised her as well as Dean Holland in the commentary. But they said that she orders whipped cream on everything. Like when they were in the writer's room, she would order the whipped cream first and almost and then get the the food that she was eating. They also say it's funny because uh, she kind of inspired the like nine-year-old eating habits (laughs) um, part of Leslie, which was hilarious. Um, But they also say it's really funny because she's very, very short and like very petite. And it's just hilarious that that's kind of like to paint the picture of who she is. Um, right. But yeah. So and she's a great writer, obviously, and super hilarious. But that is kind of where the whipped cream comes from. And I think that Rachel Axler deserves an Emmy just for that uh, contribution. <laughs> yes, I know, because it's so accurate. And now, like, I have to have whipped cream with, the, with my waffles. I mean, even when I eat Eggo waffles, I'm like, whipped right. Cream. Oh, so good. So that is yeah. all I have on the commentary for the waffles. Perfect. I love it. So we're ready to go back to City yes. Hall. Um, I think the biggest thing here is Leslie, this whole episode has just consistently felt betrayed by Mark, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think it's, you know, and now we have to have Anne step in. And I don't think Leslie asked her to. Mm. I think Leslie went to her and was like, I am just defeated. And Anne was like, listen, Mark, you need to get your shit together and we need to go and figure this out because you have now ruined everything for Leslie. And what the heck has Leslie ever done to you? Basically, you know. Right. And um, I just I I feel for Leslie because she has unrealistic expectations of Mark because she she has she holds him in such high regard. But you feel bad for her because she's like, he's literally not meeting any of them. And I want you to realize that so you can move on. But you are just sulking in the fact that he is not the man that you mm-hmm. think he is. You know, we have Anne and and go and have him talk to Shauna. And, you know, I think they've figured it out, right? So Shauna's like, you know what? I I will respect the fact that we're in a romantic relationship and... I'm going to, like, retract those comments. And Mark's like, well, I wouldn't say we're in, like, romantically <laughs> involved, per se, like, right. now. Oh. And Anne is like, are you f- kidding me? <laughs> like, oh, my gosh, what are you doing? We just fixed the problem. Like, and now you're ruining it. Like, but I do, a, I do, this is the thing. The other way to fix it would have been to do this. And then tell her a week later after the paper went out that they're not romantically involved. So a part Mm -hmm. of me is like, I at least appreciate that he's saying right off the bat, like, listen, 
I'm not looking for anything out of this. So she's not like pining over him. So I respect that part, but I'm I'm also on Anne's side. Like, are you serious? Because we fixed it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think I don't know. I think that the way that they wrote this honestly was so intentional because he's doing that classic, uh, classic douchey dude thing. I feel you know where he is like, well, he saved it. He said he had it saved. He was like, we're good. Or I was like, you guys, okay, you saved it. You're good. And then he just steps in it again. Yep. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. But, oh, my God, that's so annoying. Like, you just say whatever the fuck you want to get her to stay in bed. Right. But then, like, you say you're not romantically involved. Oh, my God. Dumbass. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) My gosh. It's the worst. We do learn there's a deleted scene really quickly here. We do learn um, they had a longer scene of when Anne goes to Mark to tell him to get it together with Shauna and, like, you know. So we learned that Mark met Shauna only two and a half hours before he had sex with her. Um, so that is a good moment. Not really. Yeah. <laughs> uh, whatever. Do you, girl and guy? Uh, we also learned. So it's funny. And the reason I was saving this is because now we're at the point. Uh, so Anne says, I'm not surprised because that reporter was kind of skanky and Mark is skanky. <laughs> <laughs> so Anne agrees with you and with me um, that it, I thought it was a great cut line. Yeah. Um, but it was also a great cut line of what. Uh, so Anne says. Oh, yeah, like, Mark is like, oh, my God, I can't believe she would say that and, uh, like, print it. And Anne was like, oh, yeah, it's surprising that a woman you only met a couple of hours ago would make a questionable decision. Yeah. <laughs> Which I feel is a very Anne sarcasm moment. Yeah. Um, We're seeing Anne come out a little bit. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Also, those pigeons are real AF. I don't know if you noticed this, but I am tracking it because I <laughs> talked about it in each episode. How first I thought they're real, then they said they weren't real. These pigeons are fucking real. Like if you look at them, well, there's no moving, way they're right? robotic. They're flying around. Yeah, they're flying and they're like you know burrowing their beaks and their wings and you know shaking all around and stuff. And I'm yeah. like, those motherfuckers are real. So <laughs> I don't know uh, what is right or wrong. I wonder. But just I wonder so if everyone they... knows. I wonder if they did it occasionally where they brought pigeons in so, like, people didn't question it. Yeah. And then other times they Maybe were the fake. pigeons are real, but the noise and the audio of them cooing is fake. Are added in later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very realistic. We'll keep a track okay. on that. See if they're real. Because okay, I think Boys Club is the next episode, right? So we definitely are outside in the courtyard there. Yeah. So we'll, we'll figure it out. We got right. this. Okay, my next note is Tom. Yes, I love this because I literally, he's he's doing what Pam does in the office right here where he's like, you can't even spell vocabulary. Yeah, you're right. Like, <laughs> uh, V. And, and there's this scene, right, in the office when oh, Jan, Jan is, yes, <laughs> and she's like, can you even spell Astrid? <laughs> Astrid. Yeah. It's so good. My only note was that they do mention in the commentary that Tom is dapper because this was the part where we were talking about where he is, you know, he's wearing this like white collar, blue striped shirt and yellow tie. And the writers in the commentary joke that like, oh, he must have been looking at the Brooks Brothers catalog. And there's definitely a line when um, he takes Ben to get a suit later on at Macy's. And he says to Ben, you know, whatever suit you're wearing is garbage. And then Ben's like, well, yours is garbage. And Tom's like, well, Brooks Brothers doesn't make garbage. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, that's so funny, though. I wonder if they had that in their mind. Uh, I'm sure that they did. Oh, but- yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. 
This uh, Ron scene also of how Tom doesn't do anything was so perfect, number one. But number two, it was a rewrite. Like, it came in last minute. Oh, wow. uh, And it was not in the original uh, script. So it worked out really well, and he performed it really well for it being a rewrite, I feel. Um, That's just because they're professionals. I think it's also setting up an explanation here, right? Because something... Something that Ricky Gervais said right about the office to the to Mike Schur back then, or not Mike Schur, um, Greg mm-hmm. Daniels back then, right? Is you have to, because Michael's basically incapable of doing his job, you have to give him other qualities. And I think we, they had to do mm-hmm. that with the other characters, right? Because there's some of them that shouldn't be there. Meredith is literally playing solitaire all the time, <laughs> like, and Stanley is playing the crossword. So a lot of them do work, but there are people who don't ever get fired because and they're not doing a great job and it's because michael isn't willing to fire them right so there's the explanation Mm -hmm. there he's not he doesn't want to he sees them as family blah 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 here we're getting the explanation as to why we're going to see later that like literally april is doesn't do her job tom doesn't do his job he basically runs all of his entrepreneurial stuff during work hours right Mm -hmm. and it's because as ron explains here i like tom because he doesn't work hard Mm, right mm-hmm, he mm-hmm, doesn't mm-hmm. do work and that's that is a win for ron because that's a he good quality like for him <laughs> right so i mean we're getting that explanation because you know like Rick, ricky gervais was saying it's like you can't have people who are incompetent at their job in tv shows in america because people are going to question that and they're not going to mm-hmm. like it so i right. think we've set that up here mm-hmm. with this talking head so and jerry is you know, does his job at half the speed so, right. You know. Yeah. But see, the the thing about Jer- the difference with Jerry is that he actually tries to be good at his job right. and he's just terrible. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he's just poor guy. A, just a boob. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that poor guy. I'm so on Ben's side with that whole thing, too. I know. I feel so bad for Jerry. Oh, Captain, my captain. Yes. No. <laughs> what are you doing? He's throwing away his career. That's what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have when Mark comes in to Leslie's office, why is her keyboard lifted on her binder slash books? Did you catch that? I did not, but I have another catch. <laughs> her That's keyboard very is interesting. Like on top of her uh documents. It's hilarious. That's interesting. That's very interesting. I wonder why. I wonder if they I'm did sure that on like purpose. people do that in their offices, like where they need to like get things right or or not right, uh, make it more comfortable for them to type or whatever. Right. But anyway, I thought that was funny. interesting. I noticed that there's a gavel hanging on the wall behind Mark's head. Mm. And I paused it to see what the plaque says because it's it's like a gavel hanging like on a plaque and it says truth and justice for all. Oh, I love that. I wonder if they use the same gavel that they use uh, or if that's the same gavel that they use in the other episode, last episode. (laughs) I don't think so because this looks like metal. It looks like, um, whereas hers, I think was actually, it looks like an actual wooden one. Like this is actually like a gavel almost like looks like it's welded into a plaque yeah like a bronze right exactly yeah yeah okay okay so i don't think it's the same one but i'm very intrigued why she's so into gavels you know i know yeah she just likes the justice she wants to be a judge yeah uh probably or some sort of city council member bitch (laughs) (laughs) i have another um background catch too after you're done oh i was just gonna go on to that tom in this scene is i love i love him because he has a background line where they don't even respond to what he said, right? <laughs> yeah. But it's it's for us as the viewers, and it's just so good because he cut like right. Mark comes in and and he basically is he's sorry, right? And and Tom's like, you slept with Maui Tweep, right? Mm-hmm. And he doesn't really pay attention, right? 
And he's like, well, I'm never sleeping with her again. And in the back, you hear Tom say, so she's available. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I think um, in the commentary, they mentioned that too. And that's so funny. You picked up on that. I just kind of let it roll by me because I, I just thought it was funny, but I didn't really, you know, give too much thought to it. But that really was something that they said they gave a lot of credit to uh, the camera operators for not catching Tom. And that gave it so much more comedy. And then obviously Dean Holland for editing it. Right. Um, which, oh my gosh, I need to look up what D- Dean Holland looks like or figure out where he lives because I'm pretty positive he's going to be my next celebrity crush. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that was hilarious. His line, um, so she's available. Yes. I also love, like this is a little bit of a backtrack, but I also love that when he, when Mark comes in and says, or like they comment on the fact that he's slept with her, mm-hmm. we don't know that Tom's in the room until he says, you you nailed Malway tweet. We don't know mm-hmm. he's, in, yeah. he's in there. And then the camera pans to catch him. So I think that's really yes. funny. A funny reveal that he's there. Yes, because they do that frequently in the office, right? right? When they're talking to Michael, having a talking head, and then they pan out and you reveal that Dwight has been there all along as right. well. I love that technique. It's so funny. It, it adds a lot, actually. So, mm-hmm. Oh, yes. for sure. Okay, so are you ready for my deep dive? <laughs> yes. Yes, of course. <laughs> this is the last thing that I have, pretty much. Um, so... I looked up in the back what that flag was, uh, that Ooh. blue flag with the stars. Because I was like, that is, you know, that stays in her office. And I was like, I bet that's the Indiana State flag. And guess what it is? It is super cute. It has a golden torch. Uh, and then there's star. Like, if you were to put the flag out on a table, you would see that there's a bunch of stars around a torch in the middle. And there is a, uh, like, a bow that says Indiana mm-hmm. um, atop of the star in the middle on top of the torch and so i was looking that up and i was like what even does that mean and it means that uh indiana was the 19th state to join the union wow and that's why there's 19 stars and i was going to share all the states in order of their entry to the union but i will not do that because that will take 1000 <laughs> years um but i will tell you um a couple so the number one was delaware okay that was the first one uh, the last one, which made me laugh, uh, was Hawaii. <laughs> Speaking of which, that reminds me because there have been quite a few um, states that I was looking at that were later on in the list than I thought they would be. Like California, Colorado, they're kind of like in the middle. And I was like, oh, I thought they would be one of the first ones because they're like so liberal and cool. Uh, but we didn't have the- <laughs> those states at the time of the Civil War. Right. So-, <laughs> so that is why. Um, but... Arizona was the third from the last. Okay. So they were very um, – so that is where Maddie lives. Um, so yes. I, I wanted to tell you that. And then Tennessee, where I am right now, was actually the 16th out of well, that's pretty soon. I love it. I did not even catch that there was a flag there, so. Yeah, it's very it's very subtle. I don't know why I was staring at it. I think it's just because I've seen that episode so many times. And it ends on a hopeful note. Does it, though? <laughs> <laughs> she writes in the report we'll see she thinks it's a hopeful note <laughs> yeah and she's like so hopeful and i'm like is it that sounds this like is so reminiscent sure. of the park lady thing yes the, hear that he called me park lady. right exactly <laughs> when really he said something bad right <laughs> it's so true it's like yeah that's not i don't think that's as good as, but it shows her optimism right um 100 mm-hmm. and i the one thing left that I have to say is in this last scene when she reinstates Mark, you can see she's just melting in his hands almost. 
And mm-hmm. and again, you're like, did you not learn your lesson when he slept with Shauna? Like, I feel I so know. bad, but I'm like, girl, like, Ugh. and you're giving, you're letting him off the hook so easy. He was so okay with you being like, don't be on my subcommittee anymore. He was like, okay. And you're going to let him that on, yeah. back on that easily. It made me so sad for her. Yeah. Does she, is it here that she has that line where it's like, people make mistakes, like, or whatever, something like that, or no? I don't know. I don't remember that. Okay. Well, regardless, uh, yeah, I understand what you're saying. I'm glad that he apologized. I think he right. realized the error of his ways, especially to her, because sometimes the apology is not about you. Actually, all the time, the apology is not about you. It's about how you affected the other person. So I'm glad that he came back and did that. I will say also something I forgot to say, that back and forth of them leaving and saying thank you and like she's saying thank you and then he's leaving he's like thank you thank oh you gosh. thank you thank you that was improvised that's not scripted oh really that's amazing mm-hmm. that, Isn't that uh, funny that was great i uh my mom and uh my stepdad now when they were just dating before they got married and my mom was still living here in the states um and he was living over in hong kong they would talk every like in in our morning and in our night which was his night and morning and mm-hmm. But whenever they would say bye, it would be like, bye, 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 bye. And, <laughs> and I would literally That's be like, so cute. It is. But like when you've heard it, the it's annoying at the time, same time, especially to well, you. But well, I'm, oh, my God. And when you're 21 or whatever. Right. And you're like at home with your mom and you're listening to this in the car and you're like, all right, bye. Like, I'm pretty sure I hung up for her once. Because I was like, listen, lady, <laughs> this has gone on for like two full minutes and he needs to go to bed and we need to be done. OK. Oh, my God. And like, you know, I absolutely love my stepdad. He's he's the best. Such a great guy. But and I love their relationship and how. They oh, are yeah, to each totally. Other. But I just like every time I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And she does it to me now where she's like, bye, bye. And I'm like, mom, I- I'm the person that says bye once. OK, I love you. <laughs> but like, bye. <laughs> My mom does this thing where she always ends it with, you hang up first. Aw. Oh, I love our mom so much. Me too. Yeah. That's episode way three. To end. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. We did it. Okay. Well, if you want to tune in uh, next week, we'll be here and hopefully the election will not, uh, you know. Still be going. <laughs> if you want to message us, again, our email is parkpalspodcast at gmail.com. You can DM us or you know, do us individually, not do us individually. Lord wow. have mercy. Uh, <laughs> Maddie's taken. I guess you can come over here. <laughs> no, just kidding. Okay. Bye, gal. Dinner first. Jeez. Okay. Anyway, uh, thank you for tuning in and we appreciate you. See you next yes. time. See you next time. There's a park and some pals, and there's also therapy, too. Cheers to a hot mess of a week that's still going on. Oh, my God. This week has been so messy. Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, just to give the listeners a little bit of a reference point as to when we are recording this, the mm-hmm. election is still going on. It is Thursday, so we still don't have an answer. Which is fine because every vote does need to be counted and everybody's voice does need to be heard. But I, I, all the memes that I'm seeing, I don't know if you've seen any of the office memes about Nevada. Like, hurry the fuck up, Nevada. It's hilarious. So, what are the office memes that it's showing? Um, so one is like, when are we going to hear about Nevada? And then you know that episode when Ryan 
rents a horse and he dresses in like this in, <laughs> oh, like, yeah. Indian clothes and he's like, maybe not to today, back. maybe not tomorrow, but someday. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the people that are making comedy out of it are really helping people, I feel. So that's good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that's helping a lot because um, there is still a lot of hate in the midst of all this. And, um, you know, I saw a post regardless of who anybody's voting for that's listening to this, like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to get into, like, blaming anyone for anything or anything, you know. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I did see if Biden wins, he's still going to be governing in a Trump America. Mm -hmm. And I think that's accurate. And I think it'll take some time for our family to, our family, it is our family, our American family. It'll take time for us to heal as a nation and find that love and respect for each other again I just I just feel um I mean there were reports here in Arizona last night of outside the polling um building down in Phoenix because Maricopa County is one of the biggest counties we have and really that's going to be the deciding vote Hmm. um there were like 30 to 50 people with Trump flags and rifles and stuff yelling inside the building that they were going to come inside and all this stuff and um it's just and not everybody that voted for Trump is like that, but it's it's those people that I think are just driving a lot of the um, uneasiness that we have going on right now. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I pray safety on all of you because I know it's very uncertain. So, yeah, that's a really good point. I think uh, that no matter what happens, if Biden does win, we will have a lot of healing and restoration to do. The work is not over, regardless of what happens, uh, you know. Especially if Trump wins, then of course we have work to do. But even if Biden wins, and that's something I've been saying from the beginning, because I think there is a common misconception that, especially from Trump voters that think Biden voters are uh, expecting everything to get better all of a sudden because we now have new leadership. And that's just not the case, especially since the Senate is still not uh, on the good side, (laughs) for lack of better phrase. Uh, So, you know, it's going to be hard work regardless. So... (sighs) well it'll be interesting because when everybody's listening to this we'll know who the president is yeah so it'll definitely be a little time warp yeah seriously it's a (laughs) horror picture show say you well is there anything else you want to talk about um well i guess what honestly i feel as though i'm going to um credit this uh podcast with it should be named like therapy and park pal Because I I think what I'm going to do and or if you're already if you're listening to this, then I already have done uh, is post what minute number we actually start talking about the show. So if you need to fast forward because you're a hater, then that's totally fine. I'm just kidding. It's not because you're a hater, but because you actually tuned in for the fucking Parks and Rec show, which is why we started this. But um, yeah, this week has been a fucking spiral. I will say so. And I also feel like I should have I feel like I have a tiny bit of a responsibility to tell people what is happening uh, on my end because there's a lot of information that I've been learning. So I tested positive for COVID and I tested positive on Saturday. Today's Thursday. And then I tested again on uh, or sorry, I tested positive on Thursday and then I tested again on Saturday just to be sure before I shut everything down. Saturday, I went on a slight bender and (laughs) got very drunk and cried a lot by myself because (laughs) 
there was such a shame and uh, fault that I felt on Saturday, even though I did everything right that I could possibly do. Uh, and I've heard a lot about a false, uh, a lot about false positives. So I went ahead and got another test. Came back the next day. That was also positive. So uh, this week has been very. Um, it's been. Uh, it comes in waves because uh, at this point, it's all. It's all mental. I had a slight runny nose. Um, I told everybody that I was around, uh, both at the wedding. I told my mom who was here. I told my work. Everyone is negative, which is great, mm-hmm. which is yeah. great. But in my head, what the fuck? Because right. I don't necessarily care where I got it from. Uh, mm-hmm. I would, I mean, I would love to know where I got it from, sure. But the point is that I didn't infect anyone. So do I really have it? And I was learning all this information, uh, both from research and from the doctors that I saw, that basically uh, more people are uh, – some people are more contagious than others, number one. Number two, you can show up as – positive even though you are no longer contagious slash you are no longer you know in danger oh interesting like you had it before and then so I could have had it before and then it just came up but I mean at the same time I didn't like I said I didn't really have any symptoms there was a moment when I had a a bit of a cold like some congestion but I had just been hanging out with some friends the night before and they tested after and they don't have it so I'm quite confused and it really truly I think came in waves for me because there was such a sense of depression that I did everything right and I have been telling everybody like to wear a mask and I wear a mask and it's just like proving that I know it's not my fault whatever and I my heart was beating so fast as I was telling people because I was like oh god everyone's gonna be mad at me I let everyone down And I'm trying to be grateful for no symptoms and uh, that I didn't infect anyone else, which is great. Um, Mm. But then my wonderful friends, I told everybody, like everybody in the bridal party, and again, they all tested negative. And everyone was so sweet about it and like offering me to do, uh, to help me with anything that I needed, like groceries or whatever, which was so nice. Uh, And my, yeah, it was so nice. Um, And my beautiful friend, Sarah like offered to bring me some um, homemade treats that she made and I was like oh my gosh you didn't have to do that and she was like well too late I'm already coming <laughs> and so I was like okay <laughs> which is exactly who I need in my life and it's perfect um, and then she was going to Trader Joe's anyways like uh, which is right across the street from my apartment and uh, she asked what I needed and I w- had this paralysis almost of being able to accept her help Mm -hmm. And we talked about this in the first episode where, like, everyone needs help, especially Leslie Nope. (laughs) Like, even (laughs) as powerful and strong as she is, she still doesn't do this on her own. Uh, And I started really to tap into why – why do I do that? Why do I have this such a sense of shame and never wanting to be a burden on anyone? And like she Mm -hmm. wasn't, I wasn't even asking her for help. She was literally offering, already giving it to me. And I still couldn't say yes. And, uh, and so she was wonderful and she brought me some cereals anyway, because that's just who she is. She was like, I can't (laughs) not bring you anything. I don't care if you said you don't need it. So sweet. It was so sweet and meant so much to me. And was so lovely and um so like and this whole week Maddie I feel like I have been well especially this whole uh year of course because hashtag 2020 I have um just been like randomly crying I'll just randomly find myself tearing up and I'm like oh cool here's that today yeah (laughs) and then I'll I'll be fine 
fine. And I'm like, okay, well, that was weird. I guess my emotions just are at the top. But I really just started to evaluate why I feel like I can't ask or accept help. And it's a lot of childhood stuff that I won't, like, bring up at this moment um, because you basically already know. But it was already (laughs) – it's just so – ingrained and entrenched in me that um, you need to be self-sufficient and you need to take care of yourself and other people. Um, But like, it's almost hypocritical because I'm not accepting help, even though I offer help. And but there's also a sense on a deeper level of whenever I would ask for help, uh, I felt as though I uh, owed someone something and I Mm. needed to pay them back. And that was, again, that's a childhood thing that, you know, comes with the territory but of trauma. But, like, I felt like ever since then, ever since a young child, I was very um, taught that if you accept help, you have to give something back to someone. Not in a healthy right. way, not, like, pay it forward, but, like, you owe me something, and I will remember mm-hmm. how... I gave you something and you never gave it back to me or really whatever I gave you is mine and this is just on loan kind of thing. And so right. I always felt like I owed someone something and I still to this day, for whatever reason, just like can't get past that. And so then I started looking up um, therapists because I was like, this is not healthy. <laughs> and I know that like this whole year, everybody is going through stuff. So you probably need therapy regardless. Um, and I'm a big proponent of that, regardless of what you're going through. I think talking to people and by um, like someone that's unbiased, that doesn't know you. It's like so helpful. But then this whole week has been like talking to insurance companies, seeing what I'm covered for the better help and talk space. Those apps are amazing, but they're fucking expensive and can you afford it can I afford it should I invest in this and like again this whole spiral happened and that all started with me testing positive for COVID so this week has just been like a fucking shit show mess of emotions and and I am on my period so that also has all the hormones (laughs) let's just add that as the cherry on top of everything so you're not crazy Right. I mean, this is a big thing that happened anyway, and you're valid. Your thoughts and feelings are valid about it anyway. But, you know, knowing that there's like some hormones in you that are kind of attacking your emotions at the same time, it it can, as sucky as it is, it can kind of be a little comforting. Like, okay. And again, I think that it's just bottlenecking. I mean, with everything that's been happening and now Mm -hmm. this and me like hearing that everyone is negative, I just feel like, again, I feel like I failed. And that is not true, obviously, but I like, obviously that's like my first reaction. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm so tired, right. Maddie, of making gratitude lists and thinking of what I'm thankful for so that I can shift my fucking perspective to something happy. So I think that is just, and thank God I have my cats and like I can, you know, have TV and I'm so grateful for my home. Uh, but still I'm just like, oh my God. So I've been, I feel good now. I feel stable. I did some yoga before, uh, I got on with you and fixed a drink and whatever, but, and then my mom, oh my gosh, I cried to my mom, not like on purpose, but she called me back and said that she tested negative. And I like, so then I was just explaining, you know, I, I can't understand how I got this. And then I started crying and she got all freaked out. Cause she was like, Holly, are you okay? Cause she is serious. Like, 
oh my god if you have depression we can't get into depression we can't think about it like we can be sad but we have to come out of it which is totally like I understand Mm. where she's coming from absolutely but I'm like mom just let me cry let me get through this Uh, the only way I'm gonna get through this is if I feel something so I hate it too you think I want to be crying like uh, and so (laughs) then I just felt like I needed to explain myself and which was fine she understood but um Yes, so you, that is the PSA to take away from this, though, that you could be showing up positive even though you're not contagious, but you should stay isolated 10 days from the day of your test if you're asymptomatic, and if your symptoms worsen, then you can go to the doctor or, you know, do a virtual visit. My urgent care was really lovely and had a, a lot of people are doing this now where you can Skype or FaceTime with a doctor and they can kind of assess what's going on. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's why it's so hard to track, I think. And it's really illustrating Mm -hmm. just how little we know about COVID and also that we don't, like, we've never seen anything like this before, which we've heard from experts, all that stuff. But this is so, um, unexpected. That is where we're at right now. And that is, I think I'm also seeing on a larger level, like, if I don't have symptoms and all these other people that do have symptoms, that isn't like no one's taking or I don't feel like enough people are taking it seriously then what where do we go from and if you can't track where it came from then how do we how do we fucking go forward (laughs) you know so right it's really I mean obviously we're just dealing with it as best as we can but that was really something that I have been spiraling with this week and roller coastering with so well, I'm glad that you are feeling a little bit better now and that we are here to talk to each other. Yes, yeah, seriously. And this we really have helped. each other always. <laughs> yes. Ranting is the best. Ugh, it is. I would like to say, too, and I'm not going to edit this part out, that if you are searching for therapy, keep going because I can Mm -hmm. 1000% see how if you were to look up what I went through this week and everybody goes through, um, but if you were to like look up a therapist and you see all of the fucking red tape that you have to go through in order to just see somebody or meet someone, uh, you would give, I gave up for a little bit and then I had to come back to it because I was like, this is so, this is so hard. This is not something that's easy. So I would just wanted to say to everybody, if you are looking for a therapist and you are getting annoyed with the fucking process of it, keep going. Number one, number two, uh, Try your best to, if you are in a position where you can save some money, invest in yourself because that is what I've been telling myself too, where like, you know, I am lucky enough that I have sort of kind of enough money to, even if insurance didn't cover it, that I could probably do it regardless. Um, But I said to myself, even if I have to budget for this, like this is what I have to do because there, this is, I'm not going to get out of this alone. And I need, I need some cognitive behavioral therapy too because all of this shit from my past yeah. is coming up this week. Uh-oh, I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> and so – Do it. Oh, God. Crying is so healthy. Crying I feel like I'm so talking – um, I feel like I'm reminding myself of Busy Phillips if anyone listens to her, <laughs> to her podcast. She's like, uh-oh, I'm going to cry. Am I going to cry? Okay. Anyways. um, (laughs) Yeah. So I just wanted to encourage people, like, if you're searching for therapy, like, do it because it's so helpful. And also, like, accept that help. If there's something that's blocking you from accepting the help, then, like, you have to do it and you can't wait to be ready. You just can't because you're never going to be. Like, just accept that you're probably only, like, 5% ready and then go from there. 
So yeah. that is how I feel this week. <laughs> and I love you very much. And I'm glad that I feel comfortable enough to talk to you about it. Yes, always. I'm always here. And you know I'm a huge advocate for therapy as well. So um, yes. Yeah. And I like I understand like where people come from, where they're like, well, people who only people who have severe depression or bipolar disorder or schizophrenia see therapists. No. Like if you right. are just not feeling yourself, you need to, you know, go. It's, it really helps even to just rant out loud to someone who Absolutely. could possibly give you an understanding of why you feel that way. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like they're not even there. They're just there to kind of like tell you what you already know. A lot of the times, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. like you just never heard it from someone else as the to kind of vil, uh, validify. Is that a word to make valid what <laughs> to, yeah. you know, make valid what you're thinking and that you're not crazy. Right. Yeah, that's that's 100 percent. It helps with that so much. And also shout out to everyone who's been isolating like <laughs> you got this. Keep going. Yes. We're all got this. <laughs> Okay. Do you want to talk about anything that you need to talk about? I will edit a lot of what I just said out because there's a lot. So there's definitely plenty of room for you to rant if you need to. Um, I, uh, I have to say, I, I, um, school is still my biggest, Issue. my biggest thing. Yeah, because I come home to a wonderful boyfriend and my my brother, who like you know is like one of my best friends in this world, as your sister is to you, mm-hmm. and um. So I just, I feel, I feel very lucky when I leave school, I have to say. Um, and I, I spoke to my boss's boss today in person. He was mm-hmm. on campus. And, and so a couple of teachers and I talked to him and um, just voiced our concerns. And I would say that's the biggest thing that's happened to me. I felt completely worn out after that. Mm-hmm. It's so just draining. Like, it is. It's extremely draining. And um you know, we just want to feel heard. And I think he kind of got the gist of like the fact that we have not felt heard and we have been kind of pushed to our limit. And so, yeah. Well, good. <laughs> I'm glad that he got a chance to hear that from you and from other people, yes. you know, because I feel like it's hard when they are when they're listening to you, but they're not actually hearing you or the other way around. You know what I mean? Like they're not right. hearing what you need. So I'm really glad that they're trying anyway. Yeah. I hope yeah, it comes to fruition. Me too. You know. But yeah, so okay, well we'll be praying for that. Uh also I do wanna say um thank you to all of my friends that reached out. It was very nice if you're listening to this at this moment, but if you're not listening then that's okay. But I do wanna say thank (laughs) you to the universe for all of this and people at work that have helped me out like the receptionist shout out to her as well because she's been doing some of my work that I like sent her to do or like I teaching her how to finish the part that I can't do in person. So that's been nice. But just thank you, thank you, and thank you, Sarah, (laughs) for bringing those treats. Yes, and a double thank you for me because I'm not there to help. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, And thank you, Maddie, for texting me, though. All those memes, though, were making me so happy. And then, like, doing (laughs) Parks and Rec, uh, you know, watching that and knowing that I was going to see you, like, it just makes so much, everything so much better. Oh, yeah. The people you have in your life make make a huge difference for sure you do you make a difference you in do. my life <laughs> no you are you are, you are. <laughs> i love us so much there's a park and some pals and there's also therapy too